Hello and welcome to We're Drunk and We Know Things. Last episode, we did Dick Tracy. We suffered. We suffered through that dick. <laughs> we suffered. We suffered the length of it. We really did. Not we, just the tip. And we haven't walked right. We, we haven't walked right since. <laughs> just needed to get. I just need to milk one more dick joke out of it. <laughs> anyway, this month we're moving on to higher brow fare. Some say philosophical. Sure. Some say one of the greatest works of science fiction, fiction ever committed to paper. An institution in England. An institution in England. Okay. A beloved writer. A beloved radio show. A movie that was okay. But this time we're talking about the radio show. If this hasn't narrowed it down for you enough, Desperately trying to think of a joke to cap this off with, but I'm just going to do it. Uh, we are talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. Who talks first? You talk first? <laughs> no, you go first. So, I believe you're going to take us through Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Rob. I think we can. We can. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. How do you like the those very same apples? <laughs> so we have decided uh, to do the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. The radio show being the original indeed. incarnation, 1978, uh, and indeed, uh, and in order to stop this being the longest podcast we've ever done, we are focusing purely on the first season. Phase one. The primary phase. That's the one. Primary phase. Phase one. That's why you're doing this. It does. Primary Uh, phase sounds better, though. So being the first phase only, which actually then later became the first book and indeed the first season of the TV show. I'm sure we will speak about that at length. Indeed. Well, not at length. Let's not be here all day. (laughs) I want to bang this out in a couple of hours and then like go and get fish and chips. Yeah, and then go and get fish and chips. The primary phase of The Hitchhiker's Guide was broadcast on BBC Radio 4. Right. At 10.30pm on a Wednesday evening. Yes, so that I did hear is that they had a bit of trouble getting some traction because they fireflied it and put it on at a weird time when nobody was around. Yeah. But then got on. Well, it turns out that um, Adams famously says that he was looking for reviews of his radio Adam? show. Uh, just, in, just in case. Adams? Oh, Douglas Adams. Right. Uh, well, he comes up a lot. Yeah. Funny that. He wrote it. Um... But no, famously, he says that he was looking for reviews, mm. like it was a Broadway show. Like right. nobody fucking reviewed radio. Like, mate, it's play. like the Archers, yeah. but with aliens Except in it. Two people did, and they loved it, and oh, it right. got massive traction thereafter. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was broadcast throughout March and April 1978, uh, which means this predates both of us. Yes. All three of us, in fact, because our producer is still here, mm. but unfortunately has never listened to, read, or watched any of the I original... I bet you he's seen that Martin Freeman he's movie. He's seen the movie. He's definitely seen the most death movie. I've seen the movie. I, fa- I think I've watched it with you. <laughs> so, each um, season, uh, and they went with like primary and secondary, because yes. why not? And then sets as well, right? Each episode is it's called a set. to Fitz. Fitz, that's it. Sorry, yes. Now, Fitz is actually something from Lewis Carroll... Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah, apparently. It's like an archaic term for a section of a poem. Oh, it's like a stanza. Um, yeah, so, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, because that tells you an awful lot about Douglas Adams. Yeah. That he would just do that. And the people he hung around with would just do that. Basically, um, a little bit of background before we get into the plot. Hmm. Um, Adams was a Cambridge guy. Right. Tried to get into Footlights, mm-hmm. but he was like the generation after Python. Right. And Footlights wasn't good anymore. No, it was right. a bunch of posh toffs yeah. who thought that they were really funny because yeah. they were in Footlights. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> well, no, after, yeah, after yeah, the Python guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but actually, they weren't. Uh, yeah. So he never really fitted in. That's he true. did a couple of uh, non-Footlights reviews at Cambridge mm-hmm. that were an absolute storm. Okay. Um, wanted to, to pursue a career in, mm. in writing and in comedy yeah. uh, and completely failed to do so for the majority of his early life post-graduation so he never intended to be a novelist no he was going to write radio plays he was going to write theatre ra- comedy, comedy show, show. Yeah, yeah, TV, yeah comedy yeah. Wow, okay. um, and this is his his big break 
Sorry, our producer so glazed over. It was unreal. You're right there, hon. Thousand yard stare. Glassy. Do, do we d- need to get you dead a eyes like a doll's eyes? <laughs> Save it for next month, Dane. I was, I was just really enjoying that beer, and I was like, "That's a delicious beer." Honestly, I thought you'd slipped into a coma or something. You were like, "Of deliciousness." Jesus, the blank oh. face. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, well, Rob. You were anyway. saying something interesting. <laughs> Jingle your keys at him or something. <laughs> Sorry, back in the room. Back in the room. So the original series um, uh, comprised Fit the First through Fit the Sixth. Yes. Uh, there was a second season that we'll talk about yeah, in a minute. Yeah. Um, Adams wrote the first four parts. I'm not going to keep calling them fits. <laughs> yeah. It feels like he's having um, a fit the whole time. Yeah. The uh, fifth and sixth were actually co-written or mostly written by a chap called John Lloyd. Okay who'd been a housemate of, of Douglas Adams right. uh, because Adams um, was so broke when he was trying to get this series launched he pitched it to the BBC mm. but also just for the hell of it he sent a copy of the script to the producers of Doctor Who All right. and said look I wrote this I'm not suggesting that you make this but I can write this kind of thing yeah why don't you give me a job writing Doctor Who yeah. which they did Oh, Unfortunately, wow. it landed just when this had also been greenlit, right. and just when he needed to write the fifth and sixth ah, episodes. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. So um, John Lloyd came in to basically help mm. out. He'd got. A, I didn't a, know Douglas Adams. I know nothing of the man. Oh, I've, no, I've read all the Hitchhiker's Guide books. Famously and wrote like three uh, arcs of Doctor Who. So what's that? Late seventies. So what's that? Um, late seventies, early eighties. So that Baker? Uh, late seventies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. I have nothing on the Doctor Who stuff. No, no, it's fine. I just an interesting uh, side note. I didn't know you wrote for Doctor Who. So, mm. so, the plot of Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> yes, indeed. I have this in bullet points. I'm going to skip a lot because, let's face it... Quite a lot happens and it, most of it's random. It's, in fact, it's, it's very the point, random. The point is that it's random, in fact, for most of it. Yeah, indeed. So, so uh, they're down the pub and someone's going to knock his house down. Pretty much. We open with Arthur Dent, mm. yep. um, who is protesting the de- demolition of his house to build a bypass. And he, yeah, with his mate, Ford Prefect. His uh, friend, Ford Prefect, who turns out to be an alien mm. and a writer for a travel guide called Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide of the Galaxy. Yes. Uh, they go to the pub. Uh, at which point it turns out that Earth is about to be demolished yes. to make way for a hive space by the bypass. Zor- Zorgons? Uh, by the Vogon. Vogons, that's it, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, this then proceeds to happen. Yes. They manage to hitch a lift on a Vogon spaceship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a bit about the narrative structure of these episodes in a minute. We're just yeah. going to run through the basic yeah, yeah, plot line. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're then thrown off the spaceship. Yes. By the Vogons. And, and they survive in space for 29 seconds. At which point... Just I just remember because it's so die, specific. Yeah, yeah. They are picked up by the spaceship the Hut of Gold. Yes. Which is a new type of spaceship that uses an infinite improbability drive. <laughs> so and, 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 this, and this is like the first of like these amazing conceits that Douglas Adam comes up with yeah. in, in these books and these radio shows and whatever. These little things are what make it so beloved right they're just so well it's also it's the fact that he kind of runs through and the without I could literally quote this mostly line for line but um, there's a whole section where he talks about the the invention of the infinite improbability drive and he just starts well of course the mechanics for the finite improbability drive Mm. were well known (laughs) Um, you hook up this dinghy to that doodah Mm. and plug it all into a hot cup of tea yeah yeah, Um, but yeah um so they get picked up by the Heart of Gold, at which mm-hmm. point we're introduced to the other three main characters, basically. Yep. Being Zephyr Beeblerox, mm-hmm. President of the Galaxy. And two heads? Two heads, three arms. Two arms, three arms. Uh, Trillian, or Trisha McMillan, mm-hmm. who is another uh, Earthling who's yes. been collected. That Arthur had previously met at a party. Right? Yes, and yeah. Zephyr basically said, this guy's boring, I'm from another planet. <laughs> There's tension there, but not enough. Anyway. Uh, and of course, Marvin, yes. the paranoid android. The best, the best, this the best. He is in every incarnation the highlight of this. And uh, I mean, the books are some of my favourites, and I love every single piece of Marvin. The thing I would say that the new that the film has got going for it is casting Alan Rickman. That is some of the best casting that's ever been done in a film. Rest of the film aside. Yeah, yep. yeah, amazing. Uh, life, don't talk to me about life. <laughs> talk to oh. me about life. 
they like, then, uh, in, in that first in that first book where every time they stop he just lays face down in the dirt just uh, <laughs> so funny and he mentions it every time and every time it cracks me up but yeah, so sorry. Yes, terrible radio pain radio in all the diodes down the <laughs> left side. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, so they then take this ship, which they've um, basically got so they can visit an incredibly improbable planet, being the planet yes. Magrathia. Yes. That it turns out was a planet that basically used to build planets. Yes. Yeah. Um, the planet has been asleep for five million years. Um, and it, when they wake it up and it fires nuclear weapons at it, that the, they use the infinity drive, uh, improbability drive, and it turns it into petunias and a whale? Yeah, a bowl of petunias and a sperm whale. And a very confused sperm whale, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in the radio show, what you actually get is the sperm whale's dialogue, which yes. you get in the book, yeah, but yeah. it's so enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the performance is so, yeah. Oh, they discover that Earth was basically uh, commissioned by a bunch of, um, uh, well, pan- pan-dimensional beings. That's what I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who uh, represent themselves, they represent as mice yes. on Earth. Which have been smuggled off the planet by Trillium. Well, yeah, she took two yeah. of them uh, yeah. with her, presumably being pan-dimensional, there would be more of them, although that never comes up. Yep. Do not look for consistency or logic <laughs> yeah. in the Don't series. dig. Just read the book just read and, the, just read and um, listen and you'll be fine. And it turns out they built it to find out the ultimate question mm. to the answer to the question of life, the universe, and everything. Because they find out the answer and that, and that deep thought is the computer they get to, to deliver the answer. The, indeed. And it delivers the answer 42. But they don't know the question. There is, again... <laughs> So fucking... There is an amazing moment. <laughs> well, how did they build the machine? The questions that I've been asked. Yeah. How did they build the machine if they didn't know the question? Shut up, that's why. Well, no, because they <laughs> ask the question and he says, I have the answer. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. then there's this whole drawn out bit where he's like, you're not going to like it. <laughs> you're really not going to like it. Um, and it turns out that the Earth was the computer that was designed by mm. Deep Thought. So the whole planet was one big computer running yeah. organic programs as part of its matrix. Uh, the trouble is, it got blown up by the Vogons about five minutes before yeah, yeah, it finished yeah. its yeah. its run. Mm. Um, there's then a whole bit where the mice realise that actually, because they have uh, Arthur, who was there at the end of the programme, mm. they can just examine his brain yeah, yeah. Uh, and find out what the question was. So I didn't know that there were different versions of the radio show. Yes. So in some of them, they want to examine the brain, and in some, they want to cut his brain out. No, that's it. They want to examine his brain by oh, removing. Oh, by it. Oh, I, I, the way I, the way I was reading about it earlier, I thought it was no, no, no. different versions. Because I know they've cut lots of bits out in, in not in new recordings, in new versions of recordings where they like make references to Pink Floyd and stuff like that. Well, yes. Yeah, so there's either a whole... because of timeliness or because of. No, it's copyright. Oh, copyright. Okay, because uh, there's a whole section that you can still find if you have the cassette or the original broadcast. Right. But it was cut out of the CD because. Uh, Marvin's literally humming Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Oh, right, okay. Um, and yeah, yeah. They, they can't do it without being no, licensed. No, of course, yeah, so. yeah, of course. Um, so they run away from the mice, mm. at which point the police arrive mm-hmm. uh, because it turns out that Zaphod <laughs> stole the Heart of Gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh, they, he's also president of the he's galaxy. He's also president of the galaxy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every so often his uh, psychologist pops up. Yeah. And I'm going to do this because it's one of the best. Well, Zephyr is just this guy, you know? Um, that's literally what he sounds yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, and uh, there's a big firefight. They're hiding behind a computer bank that overloads. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, they wake up having been teleported through time. Yes. But not space. Yes. As we find out. Yes. Uh, to the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yeah, which is built in the ruins of that planet. Yes, built in Deep. the ruins of Magrathia. Yeah, of um, but it's actually, it's one of the most uh, popular places to go for dinner mm. because they have dinner and a show. The yeah. show being the end of time <laughs> and space as we know it. Yeah. So uh, good. Anybody can afford to go. How does that work? Doesn't matter, shut up. <laughs> anybody can afford to go because all they have to do is put a penny in an interest-bearing account. Yes. And then by the time they get there, yes. their bill will be paid. Yes. It's super. Um, I can't remember. Is, is the radio show got the bit with the cow talking to him, offering him up the bits? Or is that the TV show? Um, that's the radio show and the book and the right, TV yeah, show. Yeah. Um, where the well, actually, like, my rump is particularly you nice. Try. My rump is very, very tender. Um, but yeah, they uh, basically get a call from Marvin, who has been parking cars. Basically, they left it on the surface of the planet. He's been there for the rest of time. Yeah, exactly. And he's now got a job parking cars. Oh, you finally come back then. Um, <laughs> and they realise that they need to escape. Um, 
Not sure why. Uh, so they steal a jet black spaceship. Now uh, this yes. deviates because in the book right. and in the uh, in the TV show. Yeah. Bear in mind that at this point we're into episode five and six that weren't yeah. written by Adams. Right. He rewrote them. Right. So did he? So when in he wrote the, the radio books, show. Yeah. The Black Starship is actually the flagship mm. of a battle fleet. Yes. Um, it's on full automatic, they get into it, yeah. and it takes them straight to of the course, front of the giant Of course, because they can't work out how to fly it, because everything inside is black as well. The buttons are black. <laughs> what about the writing? Well, it's black, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this ship is so cool. Yeah, yeah all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eventually, um, a couple of things happen, to be honest. A lot of stuff happens in this particular episode. The battle fleet is a fleet of xenophobic, shape-changing aliens, so they're never surprised to see one of them yes, talking on the view screen. It's always a different one of them. Yeah. Looks like a leopard, he looks like a toaster or something. A shoebox, shoe I think, at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, Arthur and Ford manage to escape in an escape pod. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the cast get eaten. <laughs> oh, yes! Yes, indeed, yeah. So yeah. we're like... Okay, fine. Whatever. Sure. They leave uh, behind uh, Marvin's leg. The escape pod, uh, yes. The escape pod then gets teleported to the <laughs> Golgofrinchium Arc Fleet Ship B. You could make up the most random shit as a lie, and it wouldn't you don't be need to. this you random, don't need to. would it? Now, bear in mind, the Golgofrinchium's Frinchium's Arc are probably my favourite bit of the entirety of Hitchhiker's Guide Law. Is that when they meet Slab. What's his name? Slab. Slarty Bart. Slarty Bart. No, Bart he's Bart. on Magrathia. We've right, already met him. I, okay. I just skipped over. Right, okay, no. yeah, yeah. Slarty Bart. The guys who yeah. decided that they had too many useless people on their planet oh, and yeah. they are named by occupation as being like hairdressers, it's all the telephone manager, yeah. marketing managers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they it's decide the to fool them all into thinking that the planet's going to be destroyed. <laughs> They're going to send three arcs. The A arc will be all of the, the alphas leaders. and the leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The B arc will be all of the laborers. Mm. And uh, sorry, the C arc will yeah. be all the laborers. The B arc will be all of the middlemen. Yeah, yeah. And actually, they just send all of the shitty waste of space people oh, off the planet. I love it. I love it. Now, leaving aside the appeal of that as a concept yeah. for a civilization, the fact that they then go on to point out that the entire planet is wiped out by a virus that's contracted from a dirty telephone handset. <laughs> Anyway, so you then get uh, David Jason plays the captain of this arc. Yes, of course. Who is in course. a bath and yeah. has been there for many five years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they eventually crash land on a planet that it turns out is Earth about two million years before yeah, so Arthur left it. Before? Yes. Yes, it's prehistoric, isn't it? Because he yeah. meets the cavemen. Yes. So he meets Sorry. the cavemen and effectively they discover the question to the answer to the question by playing Scrabble <laughs> with Scrabble. the cavemen. And the first thing they spell out is 42. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, well, what else can we ask him? Can we get the question? Yeah, yeah. I will leave the exact question as an exercise. Doesn't it tell that listener. Marvin's been able to see it in his brainwaves the whole time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before well, they can do that, me. they get nobody attacked by... Yeah. <laughs> oh. So good, so so good. And that's, so good. that's the plot of the radio show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, bear in mind that it's part one of two, uh, and part two picks up fairly quickly thereafter. Yeah. But we're not doing that because we haven't got all day. So that first episode, then, it, so that's Hitchhiker's Guide, Restaurant at the End of the Universe. It's just Hitchhiker's Guide, but in the right. books, the novelization, they yeah. shift slightly. Right. So basically, the end of season one becomes the beginning of the second book. Yeah. So there's, there's book-wise, there's. Hitchhiker's Guide, Restaurant at the End of the Universe, M- So Long and Thanks for all the Fish, I can't remember what order they're in now, Mostly Harmless. Am I doing it in the right order at the moment? No, no you one. Oh, I missed the third Life, one. the Universe and Everything. That's it, yes, of course, of course, of course. Uh, that was the first box set I ever bought. Not a DVD box set, that was Planet of the Apes. The first box set I ever bought was a box that had all of the Hitchhiker's Guides in. Nice. Incredibly uninteresting, but it's true. <laughs> I, I'm not relying. I still have. Um, I've still got that box. I've still, I've still got, got the. It's a, I say it's an original first edition. It's an original first edition paperback of a very popular book. So you will indeed. It's not exactly rare. Sure, uh, but it was the copy you, that my mum and dad had. Yeah, that's nice. Um, nice. We'll talk about the books in a minute. Mm-hmm. I just want to quickly spend a bit of time to run through the cast of the mm. radio show. Yeah, so I don't really know anything about who any of them are, other than David Jason. So yeah, that'll be good. Well, that's it. There's very little to know. Oh, right. The cast as a whole are genuinely a who's who of 
either British voice talent or British voice talent that then went on to break into TV. Okay. There was nobody famous here, apart right. from people who then, because of their TV roles, mm. became famous. So it's like, who might have they've like got 400 roles to their, voiceover roles to their name, but we've never heard of any of them. Yeah, but a lot of them were also in, uh, they took part in like BBC Radio 4 comedy. Okay. Um, they, they, so was, did, they, did Radio 4 have like a troop of people that they, not a troop well, so yes. much, but... A group of Basically, people they use. And the Cambridge graduating class of whatever year. <laughs> yeah, so these are the people that we use for voices. These are the people that will work a on bit. it. Right. So well, the, it makes sense, right? The you most hilarious it. was um, Peter Jones, who plays the book. He yep. is the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, was uh, a popular voice artist, had done a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. He was very famous for being on uh, Just a Minute. Oh, yeah. Which is still one of the still, funniest yeah, things yeah. on Radio 4. It is good. Um, I say that. One of the funniest things on Radio 4 is not a high bar, It's like is the it? funny thing on Radio 4. No, they do a comedy hour every Sunday. Yeah, it's just a minute. <laughs> um, and apparently, uh, Douglas Adams and Simon Brett, who was mm. the original producer, he produced mm. the pilot, okay. but wasn't with the BBC when they actually got greenlit, because he'd right. gone to join London Weekend Television. Sure. Um, we're sat L-W-T. there arguing about it's like, well, we need somebody who's got like a Simon Jones feel. Yeah. We need somebody Simon Jonesy. Yeah. And it was Brett's secretary who was like, why don't you just ask Simon Jones? <laughs> <laughs> this lady sat there listening yeah. to these two men, like, just probably for like, fuck's sake, guys. To be just, fair, yeah. given when this was made, probably quite drunk and yeah. like smoking for the Just phone Simon just, Jones. Why don't you just ask him? They did. <laughs> He's and over there. He won't, <laughs> he won't know I anyone that sounds him. like him. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Also, I've, I've just realised I've been getting this wrong for the Excuse entire me, Simon. Bit. Do you know anybody? It's not Simon. It's Peter Jones. Is perfect. The book. Perfect. Simon plays. Checks notes. Arthur Dent. <laughs> Fuck. We Peter Jones. We can. No, we, it's right. No, we're we too far into it now. Own it. So Peter Jones. Peter Jones. We need somebody who's Peter Jonesy. Mm. Uh, not related. I don't think to Simon Jones. Not sure of myself anymore. <laughs> Don't know what's happening. Don't know what's going on. So Simon, so it, it happens to be Simon Jones plays Arthur Dent. Yes. Right. Um, Simon Jones' story. Simon Jones' story <laughs> is much simpler. Right. He and Adams have. They met were like, Cambridge. we need someone that sounds like Peter Jones, and they but, said, if you ask his brother, Simon Jones is identical to him. Maybe. <laughs> Vocally, no, identical. they're identical, but they're not related. Voice twins. <laughs> Voice twin. Like uh, me and Al Pacino. But no, uh, they met at Cambridge, uh, and yeah, he was a member of Footlights and what have you. Sure. Uh, hadn't done a huge amount before this, but um, equally, Simon Jones and Jeffrey McGibbon, who played Ford Prefect, yeah. um, were known to Adams, and he'd literally written the roles with them in mind. He wrote oh, wow, the dialogue okay. for them. Oh, great, okay, yeah, yeah. Which kind of explains why it works, I guess. Yeah, because he wrote it in their voice, I suppose. Well, it's like like yeah. in their intonation, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know. And McGibbon's got that whole laconic thing going on, mm. it's like... Mm. Okay, we then go on to um, a chap called Mark Wing Davy, who is uh, he plays Zaphod, right? Who is um, American in the show? Yes, yes. Mark is not. Is he not? Very British. Okay. Uh, Good accent accent for the whole bit. Good accent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very good. And the fact that um, you know he then goes on to uh, reprise his role in the TV show. Yes, indeed. Um, I was going to say how many carry over because I know he does, but yeah. Did you know, just as an aside about American accents, um, when they were going to make House, the TV series, um, Brian Singer, who produced House, said, what we need is like a real good like classical American actor. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Flight of the Phoenix, where it's got Hugh Laurie in it. We need this like real classical American actor. Like this guy, this Hugh Laurie guy is real great. And they were like, oh, uh, good boy. <laughs> um, but when you, in the first couple of seasons all the interviews and press that Hugh Laurie did he did with the American accent because he said it was so confusing for people in America when he was like hello <laughs> they were like what the actual fuck is going on so he just kept up the charade like a super anyway. awkward moment where someone <laughs> discovered Jeeves and Wooster like, yeah. wow you do an amazing English accent in this <laughs> anyway so yes. no, it's fine uh, so Mark Wendell so, hadn't done masses he mm. was in uh, a show that basically he played a character it was a bit Zayfordy. Okay. Bit, of a bit cop. wacky. Bit of a uh, cop, yeah. yeah. Um, Richard Vernon uh, voiced Slighty Bartfast and yep. a bunch of other people because obviously at this point when you get down the ranks, it starts to They do up. more than one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like animation. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, interestingly, 
I haven't got masses on this guy because he loads of stuff, but so much of it is quite obscure British comedy. Right. Like um, the goodies and shit like that. Even before that. Oh wow. This was made in the late seventies. Oh, so the of goodies course. was like then. Yeah, yeah. If you back a bit, you've got like um, on the buses. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you Butler. Um, which I didn't want to quote from out. on the buses. I don't um, know why I know about on the bus. Well, I do. It was on Richard, ITV when I was a kid. Richard Vernon <laughs> d- does play. Right. You'll love this. A character called Colonel Smithers. Nice. An okay. executive of the Bank of England in right. Goldfinger. Oh, yeah. You know what? I actually think I know who you're talking He's about. He's the one where they're talking about how he moves his gold yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays wow. that guy. Richard Vernon. Maybe that's why I recognise the name. Amazing. Uh, otherwise got pretty much typecast as playing... He was 30 years old. But he was typecast as playing basically middle-aged um, like authority figures. Oh, wow. So okay. like British Army yeah, or yeah, bank yeah, managers yeah. or... Yeah, yeah. Um, the person that's in the scene that needs to exp- explain about gold bullion to, to Bond and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. of course, we've got uh, Susan Sherrington uh, mm-hmm. playing uh, Trillian, Trisha McMillan. Yep. Um, Douglas Adams in his notes, which are published in... Um, a, 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 I'm not going to call it a biography because it's not really, but basically Neil Gaiman wrote a book on Douglas Adams' life. You told me about this the other day and I didn't know this existed. And it I, is amazing. I, I can't imagine a book I want to read more now. Because Fucking Neil Gaiman wrote a book about Douglas Adams. You have yeah. a laugh. But firstly, it's amazing because it doesn't... That's it's like not if Neil Gaiman wrote a book about Douglas Adams. It's not just his biography. Right. It's his biography written by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. But also, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that are like scripts from... Uh, oh, wow. Uh, like little skits and sketches yeah, that he yeah, wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, page 42, by the way, in the book, yeah. is blank. It just says, don't panic. <laughs> That's good. That's a nice little piece, That's a nice little piece of business. Um, yeah. But it's also got his a load of his original notes and what have you. And yeah, he yeah. says about uh, Susan Sheridan and Trillian is that Trillian in the radio show, woefully underdeveloped character. She's, right. she's just supporting. She's just a woman that's there. Yeah. Um, and therefore, Susan Sheridan didn't ever get to do anything with it. Yeah. Um, Susan Sheridan, mm-hmm. a prolific voice actress, mm-hmm. um, the only note I've made, because she's done a ton of stuff, like kids stuff, animation, what have you, mm. uh, is she voiced um, a character in the Disney's 85 flop, The Black Cauldron. Nice. Nice. Very nice. And then nice. a bunch of stuff thereafter, so yeah. she made it. I love The Black Cauldron. I Honestly, I would rather have done The Black Cauldron this month than Dick fucking Tracy. I mean, we should have done, the, we should have done Black Cauldron, Black Hole. Double whammy. Oh, <laughs> double black. <laughs> It would have been hard. Always been on black. That would have been hard for Mike. His quiz would have been a bit (laughs) racist. (laughs) It would have been hard for Mike to cram in. Who's the tallest black guy? They all are. (laughs) Some Al Pacino impressions (laughs) during the Black Cauldron. I think. Yes, indeed. So, but you would have done it. I could have found a way. Yeah, I always do. Like life, I uh, Pacino finds a way. way. Pacino uh, (laughs) finds a way. I love no, that. I'm not Jack and Jill is so good. What's it? What is the? What's the something a chino in the? Oh, oh. right. Do you want to talk a little bit about how they made it? Yeah. All right, let's do that then. Probably a bit like this, like what we're doing now. No. Oh. No. You didn't do accents. <laughs> yeah, they all did an Albertino impression and went down the pub. And then what? And one of them was Irish. <laughs> I love the way you order that. Firstly, I do my opportunity. <laughs> then I go to the pub. Oh, I was doing my opportunity. I was doing my opportunity at home earlier. Obviously, Get out the one of the I've been practicing a lot at the moment is because I'm rewatching the Mandalorian. So I've been doing a lot of Werner Herzog around the house. Who's the puppet, you cowards? Nice. It's not the best, but it's no, getting it's, there. You, a little bit too syllabic. Yeah, it's getting good. But yeah, it's getting, it's getting good. good. Right, so <laughs> uh, Adam, Adams came up with the concept. Douglas Adams came up with the concept yes. for Heroes of the Galaxy. Apparently, whilst he was drunk in a field outside Innsbruck, sure. Um, well, we've all been there. He got a copy of the Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe mm-hmm. and thought, somebody needs to write a guide to the galaxy. <laughs> Never mind Europe. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, he then uh, basically had a mega rough time because he was trying to be a comedy writer. Yeah. Um, but he did a bunch <laughs> of work with. Um, he tried to be a comedy writer. You're never going to make a lot of money anyway. And if you were a not successful comedy writer, you write a, you are fucking broke. Yeah. You are broke. Yeah. What do you want to do? I want to write comedy for radio. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you, you live at you... your parents' house, though, right? Yeah, no, he had to move back in <laughs> with his parents. <laughs> are, are you any good? No? 
A, mid- a middling at best. <laughs> it was very good, but the trouble is, he needed his own... Uh, I mean, the argument can be made, he needed his own vehicle. Yes, indeed. Yeah. slotting him into other shows just didn't work. He needs to communicate his own voice wrote, rather uh, than try and write for somebody else. He worked for a bunch else. of sketches, yeah, yeah. a whole bunch of sketches, mm. um, none of which got aired because they were just completely left field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But this is a, a sketch show where we make jokes about housewives and the yeah, milkman yeah. who misses... Um, <laughs> BBC in the 70s. No, I know, you're right. Um, <laughs> and, and he's there being yeah, like, yeah. what if the milkman was actually an alien from a 17th dimension? <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. It's good work, dog, keep it up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, he was basically broke. He came up with a concept. and uh, I mean, he plays this as it was like his last ditch. The reality is it was not his last ditch because... He was a Cambridge-educated graduate. Yeah, so he'd have been all right. He'd probably be all right. Could have gone and got an accountancy job the next day if he yeah, needed to. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he wrote a series called uh, To the Ends of the Earth, or The Ends of the Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was basically um, the Earth getting destroyed in a bunch of different ways. Right, but As okay. he was writing it, one of the ways that it was destroyed was people complaining about a bypass and then right. they getting demolished for a bypass. Yeah, yeah, thought, yeah. Well, hang on a minute, what if I just take that, run with it? Yeah. And he realised as he was uh, extrapolating that mm. actually the book mm. was the funniest bit of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then apparently he maintains he doesn't remember the Innsbruck thing. Right. So it's something that other people have said to him since. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, he maintains. He built that, on that, added that to the book concept, and yeah, Bob's your uncle. Um, and uh, basically, he submitted it to the BBC mm. in May. Mm. Hilariously, the BBC, being the BBC at the time, they didn't make any decisions in the summer because everybody was on holiday. <laughs> right. Jesus. No, it's a bit like a seasonal break. Right? Yeah, they still yeah, do that it makes sense. And, yeah, and, yeah. And what have you? But no, this was bureaucratic BBC, 1970. <laughs> Well, everyone's on holiday. I'm they can't finally got it greenlit in August. Oh, wow. Uh, at which point, uh, his producer had moved on, so he got mm. a new team, uh, and he was told, basically, crack on. They made a pilot, and that was it. It was the first radio comedy uh, produced in, in the UK. Okay. It was produced in stereo. Oh, wow, okay. Everything else was mono. Wow, okay. Cheaper, innit? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, cheaper tape, and you don't have to worry too much. So much but it meant that worry about mixing when you listen to it, you, if you, especially if you listen to it on headphones... You've got or, voice in different ears. You've got stuff whooshing around and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, it's a bit like the Beatles, when they discovered stereo, like, we're going to use the fuck out of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, being the BBC, he had access to the Radiophonic Workshop, which yep. means you have got a lot of sound effects. Yes, of course. But that's not accidental and it's not them just being like <laughs> he wanted this to be a really rich experience yeah. he wanted it to sound like nothing else but it's like the Doctor Who of it all right he's got access to all of that kind of um, all that kind of uh, crea- creativity and, and, and yeah just so um, they recorded on 8-track mm-hmm. uh, they eventually realised to not record with the sound effects so that they could edit Right, yeah. Because at one point they were literally recording live oh, with sound like effects live and music and mixed stuff. in. Oh, wow. Okay. It's um, like the Foley guy behind them, smashing <laughs> things together. Oh, wow. So um, then they started rather than doing it live recording, it editing, and yeah. But yeah. also, bear in mind, the way if you ever listen back, it's yeah, recorded talk about make your life easy. a series of, of like sub-episodes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, sorry. A, a series of sub-episodes. Mm. So like vignettes. So you'll have mm. the bit with Peter yeah. doing the narration yeah, yeah. and then cut back to the cast. Mm. And those bits are short. They're short for a reason because mm. they literally did them live. Right, I see. I see. Okay, that's cool. So it's a bit of a mix of both. Uh, that's cool. That's pretty cool. It is. And anybody who listens to this may or may not be aware, I have a massive love for people who take care in audio production radio production it's yeah. something that I absolutely adore especially if it's the BBC <laughs> well they're the best at it Mike these guys were pioneering this stuff yeah, and, yeah, you, yeah. and the weird thing is that you as we'll talk about in a minute you watch the TV show mm. that's dated as shit yes right? it's like Doctor the radio Who, shows Wibbly don't Wobbly. date do they yeah, the radio yeah. show still sounds Fresh as a day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, the final point I've got on, on, on mm. the production, uh, the music, the, the theme tune. Yeah. Which you didn't know. It's an Eagles song, right? It is an Eagles song. I did song. not know You that. did not know I until know I drunkenly played it at a party. <laughs> you've got to listen to this. 
was it? The hedgehog is God. It's also the eagle. And I was just like, I know it's the hedgehog. Oh, it's the eagle. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Didn't know yeah. that, did you? But they got a sound alike later oh. on, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they got a sound alike for the TV show, I think, licensing yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, but it was chosen both because it sounded futuristic because mm. it's got a lot of kind of like soaring um, harmonics yeah. in the song but also because of the banjo it sounds like something that you might play on the road yeah yeah this yeah. ladies and gentlemen from a Cambridge graduate yeah because he's been to the road was falling asleep in a field in Innsbruck yeah exactly yeah he's not like he's Jack Kerouac is he yeah amazing oh, Jesus uh, but anyway, um, at the same time... The Jack Kerouac reference. Well, on the road. <laughs> no, right, yeah. I knew I made it for a reason. <laughs> my brain's doing stuff without telling my mouth. No, wait. Just, just move on. There, <laughs> it's there, possible this strong beer's kicked in. Anyway. <laughs> there, there is like a whole subgenre of like, you add banjo to like some kind of sci-fi music thing. And it's now become a motif because it implies... Please tell me it's called Hickscore. I, it's, just, I, it's, just like, it's just as soon as they realise that they could make science fictions but also make them like westerns they're like well, put some steel guitar in well it, 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 it implies that. like yeah, so am I. I'm old, old timey yeah. basic like right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. like you know yeah. Firefly yeah. Fallout that kind of stuff Borderlands yeah, those Borderlands, games yeah. you know so you add a banjo it feels old timey but in space feels space banjos old timey in space we talking jizz no, no, right, we're not, no, we're not talking space jazz yet. <laughs> this next section is uh, quite long. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, because we're going to talk about some of the sequels and adaptations, of which there have been many. Because yes. it is a true multimedia franchise. It is. But Marvel didn't invent it. No. Adams did. Yeah. Weirdly, he sort of did. I'm trying to think of one before that. Oh, when Star Wars came out in the late 70s, so. No, I'd say multimedia, I think he probably fall ran them a bit. But what, was that just a case of, hey, that was really good. You write a book, we'll give you some money. Okay, then I'll write a book. No, hey, we should make a TV show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so they, uh, <laughs> they made the secondary phase um, basically broadcast straight off the back of the primary. Of course. Um, or the second season was broadcast off the back of the first season. <laughs> right. Don't know why I'm using that lingo. That's how that happens. Yeah. Uh, and they were approached. Uh, Douglas Adams was approached for novelisation of the radio play. Right. Okay. And so he wrote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was published mm-hmm. in 1979. It's so weird. It's a, like you know when you get like no, all movies have a novelisation. I don't think I've ever read one. Um, but um, the, the, to do that from a radio show is quite a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he then went on to write. <laughs> The second one, which was The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. Yes. Uh, which he wrote in... Uh, 90, it was published in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, Life, the Universe and Everything was published in 82. Right. And So Long and Thanks for All the Fish yeah. was published in 1984. So the first three books came out before I was born. <laughs> uh, the first... Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow. Uh, bear wow. in mind, he originally intended to write three Okay. Um, uh, he wrote the fourth because he wasn't done writing. And this isn't like June, right? He didn't write some and then people have added books afterwards. We'll or come is... on to that in just oh, a second. Okay, okay, but, okay. Uh, so uh, it was referred to as a trilogy in four parts. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Because the box that I've got is the trilogy in four parts. And I think there's five books in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he then later wrote in 1992, Mostly Harmless. Now bear in mind at this point... So Mostly Harmless is the classification... In the Hitchhiker's Galaxy, for Earth, for Earth is mostly harmless. Yeah. Well, it was the improvement that Ford Prefect made. The yes. previous entry just said, harmless. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, after 1992, a, a bunch of stuff had happened. They made mm. a TV show. Yes. Uh, and the TV show was made in 1981. And that is a dated-looking motherfucker. <laughs> well, he's got two heads, and it looks like someone from Doctor Who... Made well, the bloke of paper mache second head because they did. <laughs> Who do you think was doing the visual effects yeah, for this show? Oh, we need some people to do visual effects for a science fiction show. Who have we got? Well, there's exterminate. <laughs> yeah. Come here, sunshine. Yeah. We've got some spare plungers out the back. Can we use them? <laughs> Probably. Um, but no. So uh, 1981's TV show was uh, it made the first se- se- season. Yes. Um, it comprised a mostly original cast. Yep. They swapped out two key actors, uh, two key actors, okay. 
Uh, so David Dixon stepped in to play Ford Prefect. Okay. And Sandra Dickinson, who was actually right. an American, yeah, yeah, yeah. stepped in to play Trisha McMillan. Oh, wow. So Trillium, the original voice actress... Is British. Really? No, but what I mean is she really didn't get anything to do. No. Because she was underdeveloped in the radio show. They developed her in the TV oh, sorry, show. Yeah. But she, they replaced her, so she never got... Oh, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit of a shame. Um, and then, um, you know, remained American yes. uh, forevermore, so Indeed. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, having written the the four novels, having only really used two lots of novels worth of plot for the radio yeah, yeah, yeah. series, mm. um, he wasn't really sure where to go. He made the TV show. Um, they tried to make a movie that I'm going to... I'm going to talk about the movie separately, just yeah. because it's kind of a thing. It is a separate thing. But yeah. it didn't really happen. Uh, and unfortunately, um, uh, Douglas Adams passed away, uh, May 2001. Yeah. He was 47, I think. Yeah, he died of an illness, though, right? Yeah, it was an undiagnosed uh, a heart attack related to an undiagnosed right. heart problem. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd, like, been sudden, yeah. he'd been working out at a gym, his gym that oh, he went wow. to, and... Uh, Mundane. A little bit. A banal kind of death, unfortunately, yeah. But, like, so incredibly beloved by that point it is insane oh, 100% by what is that the 24 years between con- you know the first release and, and his death the BBC it was so re-ran. But there's like there's like names right there's like Gaiman Pratchett Adams like those are the yeah. names of British and we're just talking about fiction, hitchhikers you know? we're not talking about the broader spectral works so there's yes, Dirk Gently there's yeah, of course. a whole bunch of other stuff I actually the meaning of might prefer Dirk Gently but let's n- argument well, for a different time maybe dead to me um, it's actually, he's it has a detective a better TV show. <laughs> no it's not because of the better TV show although the TV show is better the TV show is better yeah. So, uh, the BBC announced in 2004 mm. that they were basically going to adapt the remaining novels, third, fourth, and fifth. Right. Um, and they were going to produce Hitchhikers again. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, as a radio show? As a radio show. So is this um, tied into the radio plays that they do for who? What, what's that company called? Um, shit. It's not Should have thought before right, I the production firm. There's a particular production company yeah, that makes uh, I all can't of remember the, the name. I, didn't I just wonder if it's the same thing. But anyway, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, basically, so there's a production firm that came on board and what have you. They mm. announced it's a great fanfare. Uh, they, of course, had to make a few substitutions in the cast because at of this course. point, Some Peter of them, Jones yeah. uh, died in uh, 2000. Okay. It had a, he'd had a good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was old when he recorded Yeah, the indeed. They weren't... 18 when they recorded the radio. Yeah. Um, I know we're talking about the first one, but he's replaced by uh, his friend, William Franklin. Okay. Um, and if you listen to the first episode of the uh, tertiary phase, the third season, they do a really nice bit where they basically script it so that they can intercut Peter Jones yeah. with Franklin. Oh, that is and nice. they kind of almost crossfade, yeah. And they glitch the two together, uh, and so then the eventually explain that actually, it's a new version of the guy. Therefore, it's changed. Oh, so it's like there's been an update. But it's it's, it's handled. Yeah, it, yeah. And it's handled really That's quite nice. deftly. That's it's very like, nice. Yeah, yeah. Because to be honest, that just as a cold much cut, as anything, just a cold car is whilst it would still work. It's it's built up such a following, and there's so many, there's such a legion of fans that it's nice to transition like, it like it's that. Twenty five years later, yeah, it gives them more. like a, a it's like a handover as opposed to just it's a some a years change. later. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, but yeah, um, this was actually, to be honest, the first time that I went back and re-listened to the mm. original because 2004, we were now grown ups and had read the books and all the yeah, rest of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and they also had to swap out uh, uh, Richard Vernon, who played Slighty Bartfast, and yeah. a bunch of other characters. Slighty Bartfast was actually replaced by Richard Griffiths. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bloody hell, wow. Great um, point. Uh, and, yeah, they, they, they made and adapted the third, fourth, and fifth novels. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm honestly surprised that the third, the third the fourth, the lot that the third, fourth, and fifth novels, they didn't end up with, like, actual big names in it, because... Everybody loves Hitchhiker's Guide. If you're if you're a, a British actor and you said, "Hey, do you want to do Hitchhiker's Guide?" There'd be a lot of people. There are. A, you know, if it was fair, done now, I'd have like fucking Benedict Cumberbatch in it and all that shit. Right? Uh, no, there are a few bigger names. There are a few cameos, but bear in mind it's still BBC budget. Yeah, that's you know, true. they still want to spend it. It's like it's Jane true. Horrocks uh, appears yeah, as great. Church. Um, a bunch of other relatively known people. Yeah, they yeah. do big cameos, so like. Um, Joanna the, Lumley appears. So say they'll be like um, the mayor of a town, and it will be Joanna Lumley or something um, like that. I, oh yeah. shit, I can't remember her name. 
Well, that's useful, isn't it, for this movie? Jennifer Lopez. No. Uh, but there are a lot of famous <laughs> British Garner. actors and actresses <laughs> who do just show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we get to the slightly tricky bit. So, uh, Douglas Haddon, having died in 2001, yes. uh, having written five books, yes. he had started to write a sixth. Mm. He decided that yeah. Mostly Harmless was really... De- it ends on a really depressing note. Because yes. then gets shot and dies. Spoiler yeah. alert. Um, but uh, he was like, yeah, I didn't really want to end it there. I want to try and bring it back more towards the positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, he kicked the bucket. Sure. Uh, so... Um, an author who had been very famous for writing a bunch of slightly wacky uh, kids stuff, like young adults, right, yeah. uh, called Owen Culfer. Okay. Wrote Artemis Fowl. Oh yeah. Okay. So I've heard of Artemis Fowl. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a well, Disney it's a, Disney a, Plus TV show which of is that now. Worse than Dick Tracy. <laughs> um, for all didn't the same reasons. Didn't Kenneth Branagh direct that yeah. movie? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Kenneth Branagh. What are you doing? Poirot movies, Artemis Fowl, and then also Belfast? He's taken the cash. So. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Owen Colfer wrote the sixth book, which he called And Another Thing. Uh, yes. Based very much on interpreting uh, Adam's His notes. notes. Yeah. Uh, but also, put his own spin on it. Is it good? Is it bad? Beyond the scope of this podcast. Don't really care. Does he. Have you read, have you read it? Yes. Does he try to ape. Adams's voice to a degree but not overly so it becomes obvious because uh, I was going to say if you try and ape somebody like that with such a strong right, I'm vision gonna, I'm going to say beyond the scope of this podcast sorry no Colfer is very good mm. very funny mm. picks up on rhythm cadence maybe yep. he is not he's not as clever as Douglas Adams fair. yeah 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 fair yeah but, fair it's still eminently Well, anybody readable. who has an aside in a book where God basically logics himself out of existence is going to be hard to beat. Yeah. That is so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> then he disappears in a puff of logic. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, and then we have uh, the adaptation of the hexagonal phase, which is the final book. Right, okay. Uh, and that was actually um, broadcast on the 8th of March 2018, 40 oh, wow. years to the day. That the first series broadcast wow. in 1978. I didn't realise they kept doing the radio shows. I, I really hadn't. That's yeah, amazing. It's the last one. Uh, yeah. It is as good. Mm. Given that you'd think that they might get a bit fancy and like massive star cast and yeah, crazy yeah, production. Yeah. Well, that, in my mind, no. it's got like Benedict Cumberbatch in it and shit like that, no, you know? It does like... have Stephen Hawking in it. Okay. Uh, as the voice of the guy 2.0. So that does feel better than, yeah, that feels okay. It's kind of in keeping, right? It's a, yeah, it's enough in keeping, yeah, yeah. Right, so, they tried to make a movie. Well, they did make a movie. No, they tried to make a movie. In 1982. <laughs> oh, that movie, okay, yeah. Doug Sam signed uh, an option mm. for the film rights. Nice. Uh, with a chap called Ivan Reitman. Oh, yes. The uh, old... He wrote... Oh, R.I.P., sorry, by the yeah, way. Rest, oh. rest in peace. Rest in peace. R.I.P., literally last week. Jesus. Yeah. Famously director of Ghostbusters... Oh, it gets better, Mike. Go on. So Adams wrote three scripts. Right. Um, if you were about to tell me that Bill Murray was going to be in this Ivan Reitman-directed Hitchhiker's Guide... They <laughs> were basically trying to work out whether or not Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd would play Ford Prefect. Shut up. Shut your fucking mouth Aykroyd right now. came in. Shut your slutty mouth. And Aykroyd <laughs> proposed a completely different story to Reitman, knowing that he'd got budget to make a film. Right. That film became Ghostbusters. Wheels within wheels. That face. That face is I don't why know what to do I, with that. Yeah. Ghostbusters I've never, exist I know, I've done, in part. I've done a legit amount of reading about guy. I've done a legit amount of reading about Ghostbusters and I've never heard of that. Is that that is that true? No, wait, it's all wait, I might. wait, is that Python? Check it. <laughs> is I that Python? To be fair, also it was like Ryman Agroyd Murray sure, doing yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. thing, but um, basically And I even Reitman directed it would have been amazing. Bill right? Murray or Dan Aykroyd as four prefects. Who would you write? Stop the press. It's 1982. You need an Englishman. It's 1982. Who are you getting to play him in 1982? Who are you getting to play Arthur Dent? Oh, Jesus. Um... I fear that I've asked this question. We're going to have to cut it out because now I can't think of leading men. Fuck it. It's 1982. Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> He's too young. <laughs> That's just my go-to for everything. For 1982, 
I mean... Who was that guy from um, the, the thing with... Uh, oh, God, The Good Life? I mean, you could throw back and have David Jason. <laughs> you you David Jason, yeah. you know, you, do, you actually could. I mean, to be honest, you could have just pulled in um, Simon... Simon Jones. Jones, yeah, yeah, no, you absolutely could have. Would have been yeah, would have yeah. launched a career. Incredible. The interesting thing is that actually at that point, it if kind they of... made that in 1982, right? Yeah. Big Trouble, yeah. Blade Runner, and The Thing came out in '83. So you could have had Big Trouble, The Thing, Blade Runner, and Hitchhiker's Guide. You could put fucking Kurt Russell. There's a place for Kurt Russell in that film. I could find someone. <laughs> I could find something for him. Oh, that's good. But. The interesting thing is, aside from the interesting yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all interesting, it's amazing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, it did actually cement in uh, Adam's mind the idea that in the film adaptation, mm. Prefect would be American. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, so I'm trying to think about the movie that did end up coming out, and he is. 2001. So he is. So Adam struck a deal with Disney. Is that a Disney it's film? It's a Disney movie. Wow, it's a touchstone. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Uh, and uh, Adam's wrote... The script, indeed, yeah. Uh, which yes. is which is something I do really like. Is he wrote, that like he's like that's fine, but I'm gonna write the script. Yeah. Don't like turn this into fucking Ghostbusters or some Americanized well, version again. of this. <laughs> no, again, <laughs> don't turn it into like an Americanized version of this. I'm gonna keep the sensibility and the tone. Well, he was in gonna, control. but the trouble is, he died like three months after submitting oh, okay. the script. So someone else wrote um, the script again. So no, but the team that picked it up ran with it. Um, <laughs> Uh, firstly, they, they were like, well, we're going to take his script as much as we yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. his story. Now, the trouble is that every time Adams rewrote Hitchhikers... He changed bits. He would monkey with it. And this is why Hitchhikers the radio show, Hitchhikers yeah. the book, yeah. Hitchhikers the TV series, yeah. and Hitchhikers the eventual 2001 movie are so different. Yeah. It's not studios being like... He's got yeah, a bad case well, of the uh, George Lucases. He literally would just... <laughs> Like, yeah, I didn't like that, but it didn't really play. So Can I'm I just change that? it. Yeah, but I wrote that when I was 20, and I was a dick yeah. when I'm 20, and now I'm 50, and I think so it should be like the this. the radio show, there's that yeah. whole bit with the black ship and, and the fact that in yeah. the radio show, it's actually um, a flagship for a war fleet, yeah. a battle fleet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the book, it's actually a rock star's limo that yes. they use as yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. end of, like, a rock show that's yeah, so yeah. loud that they're banned from planets. Yeah. Because he just <laughs> plunges it into a sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, to be honest, by the time you get to the movie, you've got like John fucking Malkovich's character showing up. Oh yeah, he's shit, not anywhere. I forgot he was in there. And yeah. they were like, yeah, actually, I think they need to have like a bad guy to push back again. Yes, it exactly. can't just be yeah, purely yeah. random. That that's got studio notes written all over it. But yeah, yeah, that's well, fine. But equally, I don't hate that movie. Right, so we've I don't got, hate it. Let, let's look at what we've got. We've got um, Martin Freeman's Arthur Dent. Most Deaf as four prefects. Uh, Sam Rockwell playing. I, I love most of I'll watch him in anything it, just because I like him as a rapper. <laughs> yeah, most I, and Sam Rockwell as Zaffold is good. It works, and you know, uh, I mean, Sam Rockwell's a great. Dex Chanel as Trillian. I yeah. was about to say who. I, so uh, Zoe, by the way, uh, not, not the other one. Zoe, not the singer one, not Bones. Yeah, singer, not Bones. The one that's a singer, not the one that's an actress, is in this film. <laughs> Harsh, but um, the well, good she's, one. She's, she's new girl, uh, but um. But that probably says quite a lot about that role that I was like, oh, this person's in it, this person's in it, there's a woman. <laughs> You've got Bill Nye playing Slightly Bartfast. Of course. Uh, as previously referenced, Alan Rickman voices Marvin. Uh, Do you know who actually plays Marvin? No. Is it Doug Jones? No, have a guess. I was going to say Doug Jones because he's always in a suit. Um, who is always in this? Is it R2-D2? Is it Kenny? No. It's no, is it Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis. Oh, of course. <laughs> Well, it was going to be him or Warwick you, Davis. So, yeah, 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 I was yeah. about to say, oh my God. You're into a shortlist <laughs> at that point. <laughs> no, no, boy. Sorry. Amazing. This is Warwick um, Davis, of course. And, of course, Stephen Fry narrating and being the book. Of course. Uh, and Bill Bailey is the voice of the whale. Yes. <laughs> Which is good. You've then got a bunch of support. You've got John Malkovich. Uh, yeah. You've got Anna Chancellor. Uh, Helen Mirren is the voice of Deep Thought. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, Fuck, I might watch that tonight. <laughs> it is honestly. It's okay, it's pretty good. I like it. If we're gonna have to if we're gonna have a um Hitchhiker's Guide movie, it could be worse. I would happily I mean I have listened to the I'd rather watch that than Dick Tracy. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> 
dude, I'd rather watch my own dick than Dick Tracy. <laughs> my death than Dick Tracy. Okay, maybe that's a bit much. <laughs> if I get to watch it, if I get good seats, do I get like motion? Well, it's like a replay. ring situation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I have listened to the radio show so many times. So I've listened to it uh, once um, because I've read the books and. In my mind, I'm not really a radio person, right? The only the only audio story I've ever listened to is um, about the War of the Worlds. What's his yes. name? Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridges. <laughs> Wayne. Yes. Jeff Wayne. Jeff Lynn. Jeff, Jeff Wayne. Jeff Wayne. Uh, yeah. Um, no, Jeff Lindsay. Hello. <laughs> so yeah. So I've. Um, that's the only thing like that I've ever listened to. I was obsessed with that for a long time uh, because a friend, a mutual friend of mine, and the produ- who listens to this podcast, in fact, a mutual friend of mine and the producers um, was obsessed with it at the time as well. Um, so I've never really been one for radios. I've never listened to audio books. I've never done anything like that really. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but but maybe it's worth investing the time. I would say don't invest the time. Do not sit down and listen to it. Have it on when you're doing something that requires none of your other attention. Have it sure. on whilst you're driving. You're having it on while I'm cooking or something, maybe. Or, or something. cooking, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. I listened to most of it um, whilst I was like walking around Edinburgh for reasons right. that I won't get into, beyond the fact that... You were looking for a murderer. I could not read a map. That's the next podcast. And I booked a hotel Man-hunt. that was two miles outside the city centre and right. couldn't afford a cab or a bus. But you know so, how to use the internet. What were you doing? I do, I do now. I didn't then. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so I had basically got like a two-mile commute, which yeah, is about yeah, an hour yeah. and a half. A lot of times. The only thing to... I miss about not living in town um, is, well, that's not true. But one of the things I miss <laughs> about not, not living in town is, um, weirdly, the bus journey. Forty minutes in the morning, forty minutes on the way back. Stick the earphones in. Thank you very much. Read a book. Lovely. It's an hour and a half a day that I don't have anymore. But yeah, you need to look for that kind of time where mm. you can just, you know, not feel that you're sitting down to listen to it. Yeah. Because don't be wrong. We Does didn't. anyone do that? Well, we you did. Sit down. We used to sit down and listen Two, to the no, wireless. Right? No, you're but like, 2004 when the new series came out, we would oh, right. tune in. Oh right, okay. Um, right. But these days, no, you just listen to it when you've got a bit. They're going to release it as a podcast in two weeks. It's fine. You know, yeah. But, I mean, Mike, you can just get on a bus and just go for a ride. If you stay on the bus... Just drive, baby. No, no, if you stay on the bus, because this is Jersey... It'll eventually yeah. turn up. It'll just bring you, you back. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give my two quid. Just ride, baby. I need to I think. just need the miles as I sit in the back with my mask on. <laughs> Avoid the tramps who are trying to just get in out of the rain. One time, it was Christmas, and I went to a shop and I bought some cheese for Christmas, and I had it in my rucksack. And I got on the bus... And I didn't really, I was used to, I was used to the smell. And I was sat in the window of the bus and I had cheese in my rucksack and a tramp came in and everyone was like, oh no, I hope this tramp doesn't sit next to me. And the only spare seat was next to me on the bus. And he walked all the way to back to the bus and he sat down next to me. And he just got up and walked and stood at the front of the bus because the cheese in my bag smelled so bad. The homeless person that got on the bus was like, fuck this, man. I'm not dealing with that. It was, it was delicious cheese. I won't lie to you. <laughs> Anyway, you were saying about Hitchhiker's Guys. <laughs> and that strong, was the story of Mike's cheese. <laughs> this strong beer is hitting in real... Let's do Dick Tracy again. <laughs> okay, but we're going to do it in double time. Anyway, yes. Double sorry. No, so, uh, so, so they uh, made I the mean, movie. Who directed that movie, by the way? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. Okay. That's why you do the movies. We'll cut that bit out, that's fine. No, it's fine. I, I uh, feel when I watched... I remember watching the film at the cinema, and I felt... It was good for the people involved, but it wasn't the right medium for that story. Now, having not read the it's books a long or listened form to story, it, right? it would work a lot better these days as like a Netflix show. Ooh. Like ah. they did with... Um, or a Prime show. So, like they did with What's It Face. Interestingly, and I didn't really want to mention it, but I'm going to because you just did. Uh, apparently, Hulu have the rights to make uh, a new TV show. So Hulu is Disney. Yeah, so Hulu Disney. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. And uh, they started to like kick it around in a general TV execy kind of yeah, way. Yeah. So she was like shit five aside. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, they were basically about to go, and then COVID. All oh, right. Okay. Um, and it wasn't far enough along that they committed. So it just killed the project. Basically. Well, no, it paused right, right now. Okay. The project. Right. They haven't said it's definitely not happening. Mm. There is still potential that it may happen. Right. I'm not holding my breath. Um, I my feeling about any potential television show of Hitchhiker's Guide is that you know me. I'm not a uh, patriotic person. 
I'm not particularly even particularly enamoured with Englishness or England. I, well, I don't really give a shit. I'm kind of indifferent to the whole thing. However, it's very quintessentially a British sense of humour. Douglas Adams is quintessentially an yes. English humour and English wit. I'd say British, so but that, sure. British, okay, yeah, it's fine. British, you're fine. No, it's fair. It's fair. An American translation of that is going to be like when they tried to make the American version of Life on Mars. Or the American version of The Office. Or the American version the American of The Office. The American version of The Office is good. It's well, just that's different. That's what I mean. It yeah, could be different but different amazing. Different but good, yes. Or okay, yeah. the American <laughs> version of IT Crowd. Or the American oh version of Red Dwarf. Yes. You know they talked about an American version of Boosh at one point. Imagine Mighty Boosh but American. So fucking, no. But yeah, but no, but so that would be my concern. But you're right. If it's just a telling of the story. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. I mean, the trouble is that he's not around. You know to me; I don't get anymore. outraged about this stuff. I just won't watch it. <laughs> he's not around to around to script it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's entirely possible that the studio will dance all over it, and it will be awful. I say, what I say is this: Let them crash. <laughs> Let them. They bought their ticket. They knew the risk. <laughs> what I say is this: See how the Sandman TV show comes out, which is being run by Neil Gaiman. Let Gaiman have a pop. Good Omens is good, run yep. by Neil Gaiman. The Sandman, but for all intents and purposes, it looks like it'd be pretty good. I think as a, as a caretaker, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be a fair but, show. It looked, like, he's, he's the one that's left. Like I was saying before, like Pratchett and Adams and that kind of stuff. The only one that's left now is, I mean, Alan Moore, forget about Alan Moore. The man's off the reservation. But Neil Gaiman is like safe hands, right? For this kind of English fantasy and yeah, science we, fiction. We need work. to look after Neil Gaiman. Can we just we wrap do. him in bubble wrap? Yeah, we really do. Um, Being on Twitter, living his good life, it's so good. Yeah, there's a, a, a bunch of a bunch of newbies coming through, and yeah, you're right. If they over exec it, over studio it, over Disney just, it, they could yeah. screw it. But also, they could not. Disney, Either way, for, we will see. We for, will see. For, for for whatever flack this might get me, um, Disney have been doing okay with relatively hands off, faithful extensions of properties. I'm looking at you, Star Wars, and things like that, yeah. you know. They've been doing pretty good with that kind of stuff. Mostly because they just gave it all to John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. You, you know how this no. works, right? The important person with that is Dave Filoni. Yeah. Because he did Clone Wars, he did Rebels. Mm. He wears a cowboy hat all the time. Mm. He's not Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Definitely not Robert a friend, Rodriguez. A friend, of our, a friend of ours watched uh, Boba Fett recently and just said to me... Spoilers. I just don't think that um, Robert Rodriguez should ever be allowed to direct anything ever again. <laughs> like, oh, okay. No, I'd agree with him. No, so would I. Let him write stuff. Anyway, this is uh, all the director of the movie. By the way, was Garth Jennings. It was his first feature. Yes, I, uh, yes. Uh, apparently, I did a very brief look. But he's n- nothing else I've seen that he's made. He has made two things that I've seen. Right. I'm a bit embarrassed to announce it. Um, there's an animated um, musical called Sing. Oh yeah, so the second animals. one just came out, and, and it's got loads of great American, really fucking. It's got loads of great American comedians really in it. Funny, and uh, um, Andre, uh, Eric Andre's in it. Nick Kroll's in it. Yeah. There's loads of like, yeah. It is really good, but also it's a musical and it's animated and it's pigs. And it's, it's meant to be for kids. It's pigs doing a talent show, like an American's Got Talent thing. Pig, right? Pigs aren't the only animals, but there are. Yeah, it's, yeah that's yeah. it. Uh, right, so uh, the legacy of Hitchhiker's Guide is immeasurable. Indeed. I'd, I'd literally. I'd agree. We I wouldn't have Red Dwarf. We wouldn't have Red Dwarf. No. If Straight you look at any British. No, in fact, I'm going to give him way but more. But it informed credit. Doctor uh, Who's tone, even though it started after Doctor, Doctor Who had started. Well, that's because he wrote for Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, what's his chops? Moffat um, actually said that a couple of his storylines were directly inspired by drafts that were written by Adams, but really? were never made. Amazing. Amazing. To make an unproduced episode that Douglas Adams, Adams had written is a great thing. Also, interestingly, Adams' Doctor Who's uh, were one of the few that they weren't novelised. Right. So Doctor Who novelised everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, except, firstly, he wanted control over the rewrites and he asked for too much money. So it was sure. like, no, we're just not going to do them. Oh, wow. Until he died and then they did them anyway. And I kinda, no, but I, I kind of respect that as well. Of Just like, no, but I invented it and I want control of it. You can't have control of it. Then nobody's doing yeah. it. But no, so legacy-wise, um, I mean, we've got all of the quotes, we've got all of the bits and pieces. You can say, but it's si- things- you can say sixty-nine, four twenty to anybody, and they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You say forty-two, and most people would be like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Twenty-fifth of May is uh, International Towel Day. Yep. 
Um, it's the anniversary. Yeah. Uh, and it is celebrated around the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a legit, it's a real legit, actually is celebrated around the world thing. Yeah. I've heard about it many times. And the final thing, as much as he may be the world's biggest cockwomble, yeah. uh, Elon Musk apparently uh, is a huge fan. Right. Uh, and when he decided to, that the best use of his massive wealth was to launch a car into space. Yeah. Rather than building hospitals or funding education. Single-handedly um, destroying poverty in America. Uh, <laughs> they launched a Tesla Roadster. In the glove box of that Roadster right. is a copy of Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, I knew they played Starman, but I didn't know that was, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a sign on the dashboard that you can see in the video that says, don't panic. Oh, nice. Nice. That has been We're Drunk and We Know Things. Yeah. Again, you love yeah. it. It's coming Woo. in your ears. It's got a bit rowdy in here, and as such, my energy is immediately changed. We are drinking in JBs. We are continuing to drink to all beers because they are basically our... They are to all villas. They are to all to Lee awesome. There See, we go. The check is in the Missed mail. It. Baby, anyway. Uh, it was, yeah, that was... I don't think they check. Tricks. Where are they from? No, I don't think they're Czech either. I think they're from the Finland. Danish. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, well, the Czech is in the mail. Very good. Yes, good. Uh, what he said, what was good, before we started recording this, you said, I said, that was a really good dramatic ending. You said, yeah, don't fuck it up with the outro then. And, and I'm not, which is good. I'm no, finishing strong. I mean, this is strong. I'm finishing strong. Strong ending. This has been Hitchhiker's Guide to the, to the Galaxy, or as I keep calling it, How I Met Your Mother. Next month, join us for some other cool shit. I'll make you money. Please. <laughs> I'll make you money. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> I'll make you money. Hello and welcome. No. No. I could see where that was going. It was going to be bad. Hello and welcome to We're Drunk and We Know Things. Last month. Last episode. <laughs> Start again. Right. I advocated not. <laughs> you didn't advocate very hard. No. I was giving you the chance for an out. No, I know you were. And but you put it in instead. I just. You decided you couldn't do this without dicks. <laughs> I needed that dick in my life. I need you to discuss dick at great length. Right. Count Dracula. No, wait. <laughs> what? Don't put a big show for the wife. Get on with it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever dressed him down in my life and I felt really awkward doing it. I <laughs> can't, can't believe that she missed the dick measuring. <laughs> It's an old sign off, but it'll work. No, oh. I'm not doing bye. I love you anymore. Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs>